um, verses 1 to 18, Ephesians 6, uh, sorry, 10 to 18, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. In the, there's a, a general rule of thumb here. In the Old Testament, often we see truth revealed in a physical material form. In the New Testament, that takes on a spiritual dimension. So, we've been looking at Joshua, which is very much uh, full of battles and wars um, physically. Um, But in the New Testament, that warfare um, is emphasized differently. And so in the New Testament, especially in um, the ministry of Jesus, we see this talked about as a spiritual war. And famously, Paul speaks about this in Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. This is the word of the Lord. Um, We're going to stand. We're going to give this onwards. It's perhaps one of the most famous verses, uh, passages in the Bible. Um, We're going to be looking at this in much greater detail. We're going to do a major series on this next year. Um, But for now, um, in particular, three very uh, simple pointers to this, um, where this is going to be the theme of the, the all age. Um, and you, you kind of think, why is this such a popular passage? Why does it bring help to so many people? Well, it's very visual, and it, it, it is the joy of many Sunday school teachers. Um, there are many craft activities uh, you can do around this passage. And yet what it talks about is of the utmost seriousness and also daily relevance. Why? Three things. Here's the first. Paul says we're in a battle and we have an enemy. Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Why do we need to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might? Well, he says we face an enemy. Uh, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We live at this time in history in an age of conflict. Perhaps the greatest conflict, certainly in Europe, we have had since World War II. Sweden is just about to be um, made a member of NATO. And the Swedish government is telling its people this, get ready for war. 
It's what the Swedish government is saying. Could you imagine in Europe, you had a, a Western European government saying to its people, you need to get ready for war. In fact, they're bringing in national conscription again. And they're planning. And they're working. We're living in an age of conflict, aren't we? And never since World War II has that conflict come so close. Paul is saying something similar. We're living in a time of conflict, but a conflict which is greater and deeper than might appear to the eye. And in many ways, the message of the New Testament is constantly there is more to life than this. There is more to the cosmos than we can perceive. In the Western world, we're basically materialist. By that I mean um, we focus on what we can see, what we can observe and define with our senses. Paul and Jesus says actually there is a greater spiritual reality which we are a part of. We face an enemy, and that enemy is Satan himself. It's quite interesting when you look at the ministry of Jesus, and in the Gospels, there is an explosion, as it were, of this spiritual conflict. And, and this, this sense of, of Jesus dealing with evil personified in Satan, in the devil, is in many ways the backdrop to his whole ministry. Uh, Jesus battling evil forces, not just, of course, the scribes and the Pharisees and the people humanly who opposed him. No. Uh, Paul, Paul says our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And we see that throughout the ministry and the teaching of Jesus. Jesus combated evil, not just as a general pervasive force, but personalized in the form of Satan himself. How does that relate to us? Well, most of the church around the world live with this concept um, very much of we're in a spiritual battle. Um, we face an enemy, Satan himself, the devil himself. The problem in the Western world as materialists is we kind of think, mm, that seems slightly kind of medieval, really. We don't quite like that. And probably one of the reasons why the church in this country, in many places, is heading for extinction, um, where we do not let our view of the world and the universe, we, we don't let that shape, uh, be shaped by Scripture. We, we rather trust our materialist senses. We're in a battle, Paul says. Jesus says we're in a battle. We face an enemy, Satan himself. Um, that there, are, there are hints about who this, uh, who this devil is, and we'll, we'll look at that in a minute. But the key point here is we need to be alert. Paul says to be alert. It, it's like if, if you are a, an army in a combat zone, you know, you are on alert, aren't you? You're, you're ready for action. Uh, and and if, if, if soldiers, if an army is not prepared, then they face defeat. 
Jesus says, Paul says, you, you need to be aware that we're in a battle and we face an enemy. Sunday morning, the 7th of December, 1941, 7.55 a.m. to be precise. 200 Japanese aircraft swooped down on the American uh, Pacific base at Pearl Harbor. And that completely, and still does, by the way, change, change the American psyche. It, it was traumatic, that surprise attack. Even today, um, the American military, it, it's, its planning and its predisposition is, is influenced by the shock of Pearl Harbor. But there was warning. In fact, there was lots of warning on three separate occasions, October the 16th, November the 24th, November the 27th, there was warning given to all U.S. forces to be ready for war, to be ready for an attack. So it didn't, as it were, happen out of a blue sky. But as well as that, that morning, if you can believe it, that attack force was picked up on radar. So the American radar um, on, on, uh, at Pearl Harbor picked up the incoming forces. They thought, well, it has to be American planes. But they checked, there were no American planes in that area. And so they just kind of did nothing. Isn't that amazing? And as a result, 2,300 killed, 1,300 injured, 1,000 missing, 18 ships hit, many sunk, 180 U.S. aircraft destroyed, and it took um, American forces uh, quite a long time uh, to make up the deficit after that. By the way, 9-11 was often portrayed in a similar way. It was that sort of surprise attack. What's Paul saying here? He's saying we're in a battle and you therefore need to be alert. And he says that just at the, at the end of that, of that passage. You, you need to be alert. Keep alert with all perseverance. And the, the problem is, if we are unaware of this battle, if we don't see that there, there is a spiritual battle taking place, that the problem is that as Christians, we are easily defeated. As Christians, we are easily almost marginalized in what God is doing and what Satan is trying to oppose. C.S. Lewis, in that very famous book, Screw Tape Letter, said this, if you haven't met Satan recently, you're probably going his way. And when we look at the church in this country, that is by and large true. Um, it's, it's interesting, again, I keep on saying this, many of you don't perceive it um, because that's not your experience. Um, the figures in the Church of England are going off a cliff edge. Why is that? When other churches in this country are growing, when other churches around the world are growing. And, and Paul says you need to be aware, be aware of the spiritual universe in which we live. We must be mentally and spiritually prepared. Secondly, the battle has been won. The battle has been won. We have victory. 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the victory and the victor is Jesus Christ on the cross. John says, for everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome, overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcame the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? He is the victor. And the, the problem is sometimes Christians see this spiritual um, battle in ways which are, are, are not true to Scripture. They, if you imagine a wrestling match and they think God's in one corner, Satan's in the other corner, and you think, you know, who's going to win out here? The, the Scriptures say that Satan is a created being and is therefore limited. He is a created being. In 1655, William Gurnall wrote um, probably one of the most famous books no one's ever heard of um, called The Christian in Complete Armor. And he says this, um, Satan has no authority over Christ's own. What's in the dark has no power over those who live in the light. He, he goes on to say, and this is, this is biblical teaching, um, Satan, the devil, has a derived power. It's not his. It comes from God. He's a created being. Hints in both the Old and the New Testament uh, that Satan uh, is an, as an angelic being which rebelled against God. So it's created. It, it's not an equal fight. His power is great, but it's a derived power. It is limited power because Satan is a created being. It's a subservient power to the purposes of God. And therefore, in Christ, we have the victory, which is why James says, resist the devil and he will flee. Peter says, resist him firm in your faith. Sometimes people say, oh, they blame Satan um, for, for, for what they do. Well, that's, that's not according to biblical truth, because we have decisions, we're held accountable, and in Christ, we have the power to stand firm and to resist. And, and that's incredible that God gives us what we need uh, to, to be victorious in the battle. Uh, there's a lovely uh, story. Martin Luther um, tells this story. He was uh, awake at night uh, and, and, well, he was asleep, and then he awoke, and he saw um, this uh, evil spirit um, at, at the bottom of his bed. And, and the story goes that he, he looked at it and says, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And it said he just turned over and went back to sleep. Now, I say that because um, when Ben was really young, we always used to read him a story, and we used to open the Scriptures, and we used to pray with him. You know what kids are like? It was we, we talked about ghosts and, 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 and bad things and dark things. So I told him this story. I said, listen, in Christ, we have full authority over the powers of darkness. Full authority. And therefore, you don't have to worry. Because in Jesus, we have the victory. And he thought, yeah, that's okay, isn't it? And just carried on. And so we live with an awareness of the battle, the spiritual forces which we see and perceive around us, but yet we have the victory in Christ. And it's important to stress this. Again, Lewis says there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Again, it's from the screw tape letters. In other words, there are 
don't go overboard on this. Don't see Satan under every bush, under every tree. We have victory. We have spiritual power. And, and it's quite interesting. When you see churches growing in other parts of the world, they live with an absolute dynamic sense of that spiritual power which we have in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And, and they expect God to turn up. They expect God to do things. They expect that God will heal. They expect that God will speak. They expect that God will do miracles because their view of the world is shaped by Scripture. And they see that we live in a spiritual universe, but in Christ we have full authority. Here's the final uh, uh, pointer. God equips us for the battle. We have resources. We have resources. We aren't alone in the fight. Verse uh, 13, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. You see, there are situations and circumstances which we will face where only His strength and His might and His resources will get me through. And yet we see that God wants to equip His people. He wants to live with them, and by His Spirit, He wants to resource us. And so He gives us the armor, beloved of many Sunday school teachers. Later on, um, there will be adults and children um, uh, creating pieces of armor. Wonderful illustration. But Paul says you need to put it on. What is the armor? Number one, the armor is Jesus Christ. Elsewhere in the New Testament, it says put on Jesus. But then he gives us graces. He gives us things along the way which help us in this battle. You know, be strong in the Lord, be, be, be strong in the strength of his might, take up the whole armor. What is the armor? Well, very quickly, um, uh, put on the belt of truth, buckled round your waist. We've all done Roman soldiers at school, haven't we? We've all done that. So, but you see, for a Roman soldier, actually un, not uncommon to a modern soldier, the belt is more than just something you put round to make sure your trousers don't fall down. It's like webbing. It, it holds everything together. The belt of truth, the truth of the gospel holds us together and also creates within us people who also tell the truth. We receive this truth, the truth of the gospel, which holds us together, but we also become truth tellers. What, what does he say then? Um, the breastplate of righteousness in place. First of all, that's something given to us by Jesus. He makes us righteous in Christ. We receive his righteousness. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as sinful beings. He sees Jesus as righteousness. We have that. See, the devil has lies. He has lies. The devil sometimes says, oh, God hates you. God, God condemns you. God doesn't love you. That's a lie. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus. He has lies. But, but we have the righteousness of Christ. And in turn, that leads us to live well, to live holy lives, righteous lives. Uh, then it goes on, the shield of faith. You can all remember that, that shield. And, of course, you've all seen the drawings. You've seen the films. 
And of course, what Roman soldiers could do, they could interlink their shields to make what was called a turtle. So it was this impenetrable barrier to protect them from uh, projectiles and spears and arrows. The shield of faith. I love that phrase Paul uses, the, um, the, the schemes of the devil. In the Greek, it, it means tricks, tricks. And one of the tricks Satan has is lies. He li- That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. He's lying. Did God say? Did God say? Oh, you won't die. Don't believe it. Satan has lies. We have the shield of faith. With the shield of faith. Um, our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. In a, a soldier needs a good foothold for, for, for close combat. And so we have peace which God gives us, a credible sense of security. Uh, and then uh, the sword of the Spirit. Oh, sorry, but, uh, the helmet of salvation. Uh, Liz is looking at me because they've made all of these things next door. Maybe we should have done this for this service too. The helmet of salvation. It reminds us that's the, 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 the thing which protects our head, the most important piece is, is God's saving grace and saving love made possible through faith in Christ. And that gives us incredible courage, the fact that he saved us. And then the sword of the Spirit. No armor for the back, of course. We're to move forward. God gives us graces. But so often, of course, we, we live as non-combatants. We don't believe there's a war on. And Satan will probably just pass on by because effectively he can just leave us. But when churches start to grow, when people start to experience the power of God, things begin to happen in opposition. Um, Bishop N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, who used to be the Bishop of uh, Durham, uh, the foremost uh, New Testament scholar alive today, um, says that when he always writes about spiritual warfare, when he speaks about this, things come to try and stop him from doing it. Things get in the way, both serious things and what seems to be unserious things, but they they seem to get every time, he says. Tom Wright is not some crazy guy at all. And yet he says we live in a spiritual universe. We're in a battle, folks. And when God is starting to work, we will experience Satan trying to, to stop it. And yet, and yet, we have the victory and we have the resources which we need to overcome in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much that you give us everything we need to live for you and to serve you. And I pray uh, that you may give us a greater awareness of that battle we're in. And yet, a corresponding awareness of the victory we have in Christ and the resources he longs for us to use, that we may put on all of those things which you give us, that we may be people who see you work and are victorious in you. We ask this in Jesus' name.